Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. And here's your host, John Chapman. What is going on, Faithful? It is absolutely great to start our week off Monday morning talking some Niners talk, man. And I, I'm not going to lie, uh, pretty excited about this episode today. Woke up pretty early this morning and started building show notes the last couple days. I had a couple topics I was hoping to get to as the week started. And man, they just keep coming. Sometimes it's really funny how it works because like in the off season, sometimes episodes come really easily and man, oh, this is a good idea. This is good. And it just kind of snowballs. Sometimes it's like, all right, let's look at past episodes and try to come up with something. Because I mean, we go live so often and there's only so much news. But today I'm excited about it. We're going to be talking about how the 49ers need to evolve for 2023. We're going to be focusing on some defensive ranks um, and try to couple that with who they drafted to see what that looks like. We're going to be diving a lot into Christian McCaffrey and the evolution of the aging running back in today's NFL. Uh, what that looks like, uh, do a little bit of a history lesson, look outside the 49ers at some other aging running backs to try to perhaps build a model for what this CMC long-term can look like. Um, and then we're going to finish up with some rankings and some questions. Uh, Mike Clay of ESPN put out some rankings on the uh, on the NFL wide receivers that I thought was interesting um, that I wanted to jump in as well. Now, we do have the mad scientist himself, Clayton, behind the scenes, bringing the energy uh, after just waking up. And he uh, got me pumped up, man. And so get your questions in. We're going to be starring those questions as we go throughout our pre-planned show notes. And then we'll be getting to the Q&A aspect um, the second half of this episode. So if you have an awesome question, doesn't mean we're dismissing it. We're just going to hold those back to the second half of the show. So get those in. Uh, shout out to the man, Clay. Oh, we got Juan Salas uh, in the building. The man, dude. He is incredible. Uh, Juan, you crushed. I went through the second half breakdown of Robert Bill Jr. this morning. Amazing. Amazing work as always, the man. Um, so here we go. Episode 846, let, let's dive into it. One of the biggest differences in, you know, the 49ers have changed. Now we're on our third defensive coordinator since Shanahan arrived, right? You had Robert Sala. Then you had a very seamless transition to D'Amico Ryans. I would argue got much better. Um, big props to D'Amico. I think it's a huge loss. Now you're kind of going outside um of the program a little bit with Steve Wilkes Jr. Uh, Steve Wilkes who's amazing. I love Steve Wilkes. I love the hire. But I am curious to see one of the things I wanted to see was man, what is he going to value on the defensive side of the ball? 
So I was like, all right, cool. Let, let's go through some Steve Wilkes numbers. Let's go through some 49ers numbers. Let's figure those things out. And one of the best statistical leading categories the 49ers were in last year was interceptions, ball skills, right? The 49ers led the NFL with 20 interceptions in 2023, right? You only played so many games, 17 games, right? Um, 20 interceptions. So you're you're averaging over one interception per game. Now, it is important to note, interceptions and sacks are somewhat sim- similar. They're not a very predictive stat that you can replicate well. To put this into example, and I- I'm going to kind of, I'm going to disprove this statement real quick. Okay. So if you look at 2021, the 49ers only had nine interceptions, one of the worst in the NFL. I think it was the worst. Then one year later, they led the inter- the NFL in interception. Oh, my light went out. Come on now. Um, why? What's the difference? The personnel, if you look at the 49ers leading interception guys last year, uh, Tayshawn Gibson, he led the team with five interceptions. Talano Funga, Four interceptions, right? That's nine. They themselves, the two new safeties, matched what the entire 49ers defense did in the entirety of the 2021 season. Personnel matters. And these new additions that valued ball skills, Talanoa, right? You know, Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever you want to call it, defensive player of the year. Like, they brought this with them. And it paid dividends. So the question is, all right, now let's look at Steve Wilkes. What has he brought in through this draft and the undrafted process? Because I thought this was interesting as well. Ball skills are at a premium, premium for the 49ers and who they drafted. Listen to these numbers. Jair Brown, who they traded up for, love this dude, perfect fit in, you know, with what Steve Wilkes has always done. 10 career interceptions. That's ridiculous. Daryl Luter Jr., the first corner that they took, the only corner they took, 10 career interceptions. Linebacker, D. Winters, three career interceptions. Jalen Graham, linebacker, they drafted three career interceptions. Go to the undrafted free agents. Deshaun Jamison, out of Texas, six career interceptions. Avery Young, three career interceptions. So even though it's a small sample size, but we got these six guys that they drafted, you know, corners, safeties, linebackers, it's ball skills galore. It's just what they – and so you can tell already, right, this evolution without even seeing them line up and take a snap. The 49ers defense in its third installment um, of these defensive coordinators, ball skills, ball skills, ball skills. That's number one. Now, I think a lot of it too has to do with, you know, again, we when we look at the depth chart that this team possesses, who are the two safeties that left this team in recent years? Jaquaski Tart, you know, he was awesome. Ball skills were non-existent. Jimmy Ward, throughout his entire career, Jimmy Ward had three picks last year. Um, and I think all three of the interceptions came off of a Eric Armstead hitting the quarterback, which is hilarious. But if we look at what, you know, Jimmy Ward has done throughout his entire career, he only has seven in his career. He started 106 games. He had three interceptions this year. That, that means the previous eight years for the 49ers, he only had four total. So, you know, you got a huge uptick from Jimmy Ward this year. But again, you allowed him to go. You allowed him to walk. And so, again, you just have this, look, we're going to focus 
on guys that can make these high-impact turnovers. Pressures, sacks, turnovers. Big plays. That seems to be kind of the MO. Now, what I want to do, yeah, I love this, Dave. It, he says, ball skills being a premium. No, uh, no wonder Manscaped is a Niner sponsor. There you go, man. That is uh, well done. Uh, that is well done, my friend. And, and I think, you know, there, there's a couple comments, Clayton, and let's go through some of these uh, comments that have to do with, you know, these guys like Huff and whatever else that are popping up because I think they're important. Mosquito Killer, great job right here. He says, John, with Huff doing so well at the beginning of the season and falling off the second half of the season, you think Wilkes gets him back to that level? Here's what I would say. If you watch the evolution of Huff's play last year, okay, first, you know, five to six games, incredible. Next five to six games, definitely miscommunications. But you watch Talano Hufunga in the playoffs, those three playoff games, dude was stellar. Stellar. Now, did he have the freak interceptions or whatever else? No, but he also didn't have the blown assignments. And, and it's funny because I think narratives grow legs of their own. And we see it with Javon Kinlaw, right? Like, I was asking some question about, like, okay, in my, you know, 90-player ranking series that we're working on, I, Javon Kinlaw was up there, and somebody was like, man, I think Kinlaw is going to be cut. And I'm just like, again, like, man, I feel like we've disproven this narrative so many times because the narrative on Kinlaw is bad. The injuries are bad, but people think that he's a bad football player. And that is 100% not factual. Not at all. Is he a high impact, you know, 10 sack guy? No, but man, he is incredible at stopping the run. Now, the first half of the NFC championship, he wasn't. Second half, which we put out all the clips, like we showed all the clips. Look at this. This is quality high football in the second half of the NFC championship from Kinlaw. Like it, it, it's indisputable. But the narrative was already in place. And now with Huff, that's also taking place too. That, like, oh, he had a bad second half of the season. Not true. Not true. Did he have a bad five to six game stretch? Yes. But was that the last football that we saw of Huff? Hell no. Go watch Huff in the playoffs. The dude played like a vet safety. He was always where he needed to be, didn't blow assignments, and was just like clutch. And so I leave. Back to Mosquito's question. There's nothing wrong with your question. It's an incredible question. Because, yes, Huff did have a gap where it was not great. But a lot of that was communication, not bad play. And I think that that was corrected. And right there, Ishmael, he's an all-pro for a reason. I did hear on another podcast. I don't remember what show it was. It was an all-NFL show. And... I think it was like 16 safeties received at least one all pro vote. It was something just crazy. It was like, it was a rather large number, but of all the safeties that did receive them, Huff was number two. And that's pretty damn incredible uh, to do in your first season starting. I I'm excited about Huff. Whenever we go back and again, focusing on the Steve Wilkes, uh, they, uh, sorry, mosquito killer says, sorry, I didn't mean to make it sound like he fell off. No, 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 you, you, your comment was astute and very, very solid. But yeah, he, he's a can he get back to the ball hawking skills? That very, very good. Because if we look at here, I'll pull up his 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 game logs from last year. This is Talano Hufunga, because almost all of his big plays happened early. Um, let's see here. Yeah, he had all of it. He didn't have any interceptions past 
week 10, game nine, um, against the Chargers, right? That was his last interception. He had four. He had one in week one against Chicago. He had one in week four against Stafford. And then he had one against Mahomes. And then he had one against Herbert. Man, that's the crazy thing. Look at the quarterbacks that he intercepted, right? Fields, Stafford, Mahomes, Herbert. The dude made his best plays versus the some of the best quarterbacks. I wouldn't put Fields in that you know tier or whatever, but that's interesting. If we look at sacks, I wasn't planning on doing this, so I'm kind of doing this on the fly, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, if we look at the sacks, he only had two sacks. He had one um, against Carolina in week five, and then he had one against Seattle um, and that was later in the year. That that was a Thursday night game that was a lot of fun in week 15. So what about passes defense? Passes defense were pretty consistent throughout the year. Um, it, Man, let's look at the playoffs. And I, I think this is interesting too. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or fight for home playoff court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. And Prize Picks even offers injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players get injured. For basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player projection won't count against you, and the rest of your entry stays live. There's lots of bets. Stephen Curry, over 27.5 points. Draymond Green, will he make one three-pointer or no? Very easy things to bet. Download the app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the Prize Picks app today and use code 49ers for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Had a pass breakup against Philly in the NFC Championship game. And, you know, no sacks, but man, he was just all over the place. I, I really thought that he played well, uh, the playoff stretch. I really, really did. So, yeah, I, I think back to my previous statement that I was starting. When they hired Steve Wilkes, I said the number one player that this helps is going to be Talano Hufunga. You look at the safeties that he's worked with, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, and again, Sean Taylor, who I think is one of the best players in NFL history, even though it being a small window and the tragic and all those things. But I want 
the guy that coached him in his prime and his heyday to instill some of those things. To I think Wilkes, what he's going to be best at is just uncorking, allowing these playmakers to just go be crazy playmakers. And Huff's going to be the beneficiary of that. I, I really do think so. Uh, yeah, Wad right there. Huff learning to control the chaos. That's going to be difficult. Uh, it, it's It's not an easy thing at all for sure to do that. Now, let's jump to the other side of the ball. I want to try to balance this. As I was doing my notes, I was like, do I go defense, defense, defense? Or I think balancing it's going to be all right. Let's talk some Christian McCaffrey. Now, I want to start this conversation with what's going on in our 90-player ranks. Okay, so I'm going to turn this question over to you guys. I want you to answer this. Off the top of your head, just for the 2023 season only. We're not talking long-term. We're just this year only. Put a numerical value on where you would rank CMC as the most important player on this roster. We got 90 players. So, like, is CMC 1, 2, 5, 10, 12? Where is he as far as the most important player for the 49ers for the 2023 season? Because we had five of our producers, Clayton was one of them, do these ranks. And I think I was the lowest on him. Uh, but I'm curious to see what you guys are going to say. Because I wasn't super low on him. I still had him top 10. But I want to see where everybody else has him. Because he's pretty high. And so he ranked for us as high as number two behind Nick Bosa. Shout out to Brian White, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, I had him all the way down at six. Ishmael says five to ten. We're seeing three, three, two, four, all that stuff. And it's interesting to me, right? And so, again, I'll just share. It's easy to throw a number out there, and I like that. Um, but, again, here's the players that I had ranked on top of. This is just my own personal rankings. This is not going to be the order of our, you know, 90-player uh, roster series that we're going to do. But I thought it was interesting, right? I had Bosa 1, Trent Williams 2, Fred Warner 3, and a big reason why I had those guys three is because I thought the fall off behind them was was drastic. I had Hargrave four, Kittle five. Again, the drop off behind who's behind Kittle high, and then McCaffrey six. Because I do like Elijah Mitchell. I do think that we have Debo that can play that role. We do have you know a whole bunch of backs behind them, whether it's TDP, Jordan Mason, whatever else. But I, I'm I don't think it's wrong to have. CMC as high as two. I, I don't think it is. Um, and the quarterback position, I didn't have up there as high because we, we were going to have a bunch of quarterbacks. It's Trey Lance, Brock Purdy, when they're going to be available, back from the injury, Sam Darnold being mixed in, like all that stuff. I don't want to dive into that. I understand that quarterback's the most important, but the 49ers have shown they could be highly successful without dominant quarterback play. And there's a bunch of guys there. Gammon, Brown, thank you so much for the super chat. He says, hypothetical question. If the 49ers and Eagles played 10 straight games in a neutral location, what would be the 49ers win-loss and why? Thank you. Oh, 10 straight games. It, it's all conjecture because the last time we played the Eagles and we had like a, a quarterback was week two of 2021. I, I was at that game. It was a lot of fun. Niners won. It was a close game. Uh, but like the Eagles were good then, not near as good as they are now. Jalen Hurts was playing. 
man, part of me wants to say, like, non-homer, it's going to be 5-5. Five and five. Like, they're freaking dominant teams. The Eagles are really, really good. And their quarterback position is solved. The 49ers is not. And so, like, again, my question would be, like, even with the schedule, which schedule might not be out Thursday. NFL leaked. Oh, it's going to be out May 11th. Now, Peter King puts out there, ah, they're not quite done. They're trying to get it done by the deadline, but it might not be done by that time. They'll probably leak some of the games or something at the time, but whatever. That's a different conversation. But, you know, trying like when are the 49ers going to play the Eagles this year? Is Trey Lance going to be the guy? Is Brock Purdy going to be the guy? Because that changes the game plan completely. Completely. It's a different offense. I wish it wasn't. I wish it wasn't. And I hope Kyle gives Trey the chance to be in that offense or, or perhaps it's not Kyle. Perhaps Trey just needs to execute the offense, you know, with check downs, check down, check downs. I would love that, man. That would be so awesome. Mix in a little run stuff, but yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, and I don't know. Um, Juan says CMC keeps it, uh, the defense on us. Sorry about that. Clayton, my bad. <laughs> um, Prime time game for sure. I think so as well. I don't think it's going to be that early. I, I really do think this is going to be one of those kind of heavyweight battles. And I think the NFL wants Purdy back for that game, you know, whether or not he takes the starting role or not. But like the NFL loves narratives and they want that rematch. And so I could totally see this being a November game that just makes sense as a primetime Monday night football, Sunday night football game um, in November. It just, it makes sense to me. I know everybody wants to start the season off with that game, but I don't think it's happening. That's just my own personal take on it. Also on the scheduling note, um, all of the, the 49ers basically told their kind of top beat writers uh, to let everybody know the London game ain't happening this year. You had within a span of about five minutes, Matt Mayoko, um, you know, Matt Barrows, and Jennifer Lee Chan all say, don't expect the 49ers to get the London game within like five minutes. And the verbiage was almost identical on all of them. And it was just like, okay, like the, the 49ers told them, like, hey, guys, this is probably not happening. So if you want to let everybody know, so which breaks my heart, I was so excited uh, to go overseas, but uh, it's kind of what it is. It's kind of what it is. Um, yeah, Alex says, he says, boo, I know. Anytime the 49ers go overseas, I will never miss one. I will never miss one as long as I'm doing this. There's no way. It was so awesome in Mexico. God, that was incredible. Um, anyway, so I love all the CMC takes. Now, here's some stats, which I'm excited about. Now, I do have to say these are not – the argument and the idea for the, this being added to the show notes came from two separate – podcast that i kind of mixed together um the athletic football show and the ringer fantasy show that they were doing a deep dive on running backs and i just thought it was interesting um you can go check those out great shows strongly recommend them but i wanted to approach this just from a cmc standpoint okay now cmc turns 27 on june 7th right so like basically a month from today is his birthday about to turn 27 um, and he has just been nuts. One of the stats that they shared on the, the Ringer fantasy show was if you look at Christian McCaffrey in games that he finished and he was didn't get injured or whatever, 38 consecutive games with at least 100 total yards or a touchdown. 38 consecutive games. That is 
crazy talk um, just how productive he has been on some poor teams. But whenever he joined the 49ers, holy cow, it went off the charts. 12, you know, won 12 games, dominated all of them. I think nine were 10 points or more. Like, they weren't even close. And if you look at, like, games that were within a touchdown or less, it was only two. So, like, just blew the doors off everybody until Purdy got hurt, right? Um, but dude's a baller. Let, let's look at what he did last year collectively because I want to go through I, – I had fun doing this, by the way. I wanted to go through other aging running backs in the NFL and how they're doing. So, and compare that to Christian McCaffrey. Then look back at previous – um, running backs that were older than 28 and how they did and see where CMC fits with that. CMC had 1,880 total yards last year with 13 touchdowns combined. If you bring together what he did in Carolina and then what he did for the 49ers, and that's just the regular season, 1,880 total yards. That's crazy. Um, that's a lot. So now other running backs, uh, Derrick Henry just turned 29. And he's he's an anomaly for sure. He had 1,936 total yards last year. Nick Chubb just turned 27, so he's kind of in that CMC mold. But again, he's a dominant runner. He's okay in the passing game, but not Christian McCaffrey. Nobody is. He had 1,764 yards last year. Davin Cook just turned 27, 1,468 total yards. Jamal Williams, I thought he was interesting. 28 last year. Um, he had 1,139 yards, but 17 touchdowns. The dude was awesome. Now he's over in the Saints. Curious to see what that's going to look like. And the last one was Austin Eckler. And I thought he's probably the most CMC relatable because pass catcher first, right? Um, he turned 28. He had 1,637 total yards with 18 touchdowns last year. Just, I mean, awesome. So my question is... The NFL doesn't value running backs. And I, I feel like, you know, <laughs> the Lions enter into this question big time because, you know, I understand taking Bijan top 10 because I think he's a generational talent. I have him rated higher than Saquon Barkley. I did not have Jamar Gibbs close to that, but they took him 12, right? Um, but my question is this. We've bought into this idea that running backs hit this wall and die off. But, man, I just gave one, two, three, four, five, six running backs last year that were 27 or older that are still putting up some elite, elite numbers. I don't know. Not saying I discount that, but I'm wondering if the 49ers, they 100% buy into this. CMC could play for a minute. And that he's not even close to reaching his end. The restructure tells that. And we're going to detail what that looks like. But let's look back at some of the historical great years from running backs that were, you know, older, right? You got to start with Frank Gore, the man. That dude was 28 years old. At 28, he continued to have seven plus, after 28, 1,200 plus yard seasons. Now, you can bet on Frank Gore and having the next Frank Gore all you want. You're going to be wrong every time. I mean, how many guys are going to have 1,200-plus yard seasons whenever they're 35 years old at the running back position? I don't know. Um, we were so wrong. Uh, <laughs> we were so wrong on moving off of Frank Gore, but that's okay. Uh, Steven Jackson, um, his 28 and 29 years uh, of age, he put up 1,478 yards, then 1,366. Curtis Martin is kind of one of the biggest ones. But this is back in 2001, so this is a long time ago. 
but he had four consecutive years after age 28 with over 1,450 yards. And his best year came at age 31 where he had 1,942 total yards. Like, dude just dominated, right? So my question is, CMC is about to turn 27 next month. We have him under contract till 29, his 29-year-old season. Now, the restructure came out um, right before the draft. Like, like literally day one, they announced the restructure. And so it kind of got buried with all the draft content. But I went back and looked up all the details of this new this new deal. Um, and it's interesting. So initially he had a $12 million cap hit with no money guaranteed. The Niners lowered that from $12 million this year to $3.4 million. So a lot of extra cap space there, right? Um, next year, 2024, he'll be 28. He's got a $14.1 million cap hit. I have no qualms. I have zero regard for that year. I, I have no problem with Christian McCaffrey this year or next year. The question comes into play that 2026 year. He'll, or sorry, the 2025 year. He'll be 29 years old, and he's got a 14.3 million cap hit. Plus, uh, there is a void year that was added in the restructure for 2026, so he's not going to be on the team, but he counts for $4 million against the cap. And the Niners keep doing all these void years, trying to preserve this base, uh, extend this window by kicking a little bit of the cap down the road. But yeah, I, my question to everybody here, do you guys put a percentage on it? Okay, let's do this. Okay, it's 2023, next year's 2024, three years, the last year of CMC's deal. What percentage of confidence do you have that CMC can still play at this level when he is 29 years old in 2025? I, I want to know a percentage, right? So, like, you're 80% confident that he can play at this level three years from now. You're It's a 50-50. Man, running backs hit the wall, I think, a 10% chance. I'm curious. In your opinion, throw this up in the chat because I want, I want to spend some time on this. What is your percent of confidence in CMC from three years from now? And I know Kyle Shadahan's out there like, we don't even know if we're going to be alive on Sunday. Um, but I, I think the restructure is interesting because I'm fine betting on CMC this year. I, that's easy. Next year, fine. Three years? Ugh. Yeah, we're seeing some of the numbers. Uh, David says 65 shot chase 75 Sean 50% or under, uh, because we overload him. He does get a lot of carries, but whenever we look at those names of the guys that are currently playing Derrick Henry, Chubb, Cook, Jamal Williams, those guys are between the tackles runners, every single one of them. Uh, Dalvin Cook's probably the most outside, but then you look at guys like Eckler and Kamara. I think he's a little bit more of that because he does so much pass catching. But it's not like – let me pull up. I think I have it here. You know, I mean, he's still getting a lot, a lot of work uh, in the running game. There's no doubt about it. How many carries did he have this past year? Yeah, 244, which that's a lot less, actually. I I don't know. I, I might be uh, – a little more bullish on him than previous. I mean, he was ninth in the NFL in carries, but again, these guys we talked about, Derrick Henry had 349, Chubb 302, Cook 264, Jamal Williams 262. Of everybody we mentioned, he's way below on carries. Eckler had 204, so I guess not everybody. 
But that that's one thing that's interesting. Like, where do these touches come from? If the Niners can preserve, I don't know if Shanahan's capable of doing this, but if you can keep him south below 250 carries a year, that'll help. Now, this does, you know, we're assuming he stays healthy, but, you know, if you look at his career, I mean, <laughs> rookie year, played every game. Second year, played every game. 2019, every game. Got injured in 2020, re-aggravated 2021, last year played every game. So in four out of six of his years, he's played every game. He's had one injury, and he kind of re-aggravated it, I believe. I could be wrong on that. But 2020 and 2021, those were his injured years. Outside of that, he's played every game. He ain't missed one. Sean, he says, need to make sure to take more and more passes and mix in Mason more this year. Yeah, I really do. I really, really do hope that they trust somebody. I know Elijah Mitchell is the guy they want to be that guy. They love Mitchell, but again, he's, you know, health, that's a major concern that for him. Um, but I want Shanahan to trust somebody else, and especially during the season. Like, I, I get fourth quarters, and I'm fine first quarters too, but, like, you got to mix in some other guys. Um, and David says, you know, he might evolve into more of a slot wide receiver later in his career. I remember when CMC came out, I said he would be the number one slot wide receiver in this class if he was just a wide receiver. And I, I think <laughs> that the tape and everything that's come out has proven that. I mean, good gosh, he's got 442 catches in his career. Dude's just crushing. He had 85 receptions last year, which isn't even the second most in his career. Oh, I'm excited, man. Shot Jay says, you know, if you look at the history... He's only got injured the year after com uh, they completely ran him through the ground and beyond. His body never got the chance to recover till we snagged him. Yeah, they the year after he got hurt, he had 403 touches, 2,392 yards, 19 touchdowns. Uh, AP Offensive Player of the Year, First Team All-Pro, Pro Bowl, all those things. Yeah, 403 touches. Last year he had 329, second most in his career. I don't like that. I, I do want that number to go down. I do want that number. I, I would like to keep that uh, close to 300 total touches. I'm cool with that. But more than the total touches is the rush attempts. Rush attempts got to be watched. Um, and, oh, we're getting some of the uh, drafted free agents, baby. Yeah, the, the, the you, you got you to gotta buy in, man. Everybody's got to buy into one. You got to have an undrafted free agent running back that you like. So that's some CMC talk. I am curious to see what's going to go on there. But the cap numbers are interesting. This year, next year, oh, ice cold, baby. No concern. That 29-year-old season in 2025, that's going to be something to watch. All right, here we go. Now, before we move on back to defense, uh, do want to remind everybody um, this Wednesday. So excited about this, by the way. We have our 1994 season um, watch party where we're going through a game each week. So Wednesday at 5.30 p.m., 49ers Cowboys, baby. Uh, Going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And if you haven't joined us for one of these, they're an absolute blast. Um, we have some that join and keep their camera off and keep mute, muted, and they just watch us like a YouTube show. Uh, we have others that turn their cameras on and talk and you know ask questions, and we go over all kinds of fun, nostalgic deep dives. I mean, we've got people that 
weren't fans of 94 that are reliving it. We've got people that know everything. Shout out Antonio uh, about 1994. And he teaches me a lot of stuff. I was 12 whenever it happened. It's just a really cool mix. Um, and some people just come out to hang out for community, which is awesome. So um, come join us. That's available to all Patreon um, subscribers, any tier level. If you haven't joined yet, just Google 49ers Patreon. or the first one that pulls up or go to patreon.com slash 49ers rush podcast. Check that out. Also loaded a Braden Willis breakdown video this morning, which was really, really fun. The more I watch him, the more I like him. Like I have to persuade myself to say like, okay, when I watch Cameron Law too, it's like I will like what he becomes, right? Everybody's talking about what he will be. But Brady Willis, you don't have to do that. That's easy. It's just like, oop, like him. Um, like him. Like him a lot. Um, anyway, let's transition now to the defense. Um, another fun stat that I found, I was just looking up kind of, Different metrics, right? The interceptions that we talked about earlier to first downs allowed. I thought this was interesting. The Niners led the NFL in first downs allowed by defense by a considerable margin. Okay. So let me let me just give you these numbers. The 49ers only allowed 77 first downs the entire year, which is it's pretty nuts. Next up, second place was New England with 90, Baltimore 91, Tennessee 93, uh, Pittsburgh 95. It's so like, if you look at the drop-off from the 49ers to the second place team, the Patriots, it's 13, right? So uh, that's the difference, 13 first downs. If you look at the difference between another two-team and that same gap, that 13 first downs, you get 103, right? You've got to go down two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So the difference between the 49ers, one and two, 13 first downs, that same difference is the same as two to ten. It was incredible what they were able to do last year. And it always goes back to this simple concept. Earn the right to rush the passer. Stop the run first. Then you get to have fun, right? Eat your vegetables, <laughs> then you get dessert. And when we look at this draft class, I think that it kind of matches that a little bit. Um, and so, again, Jair Brown, great versus the run. Incredible. That was their first draft pick they traded up for. Daryl Luter, incredible. One of the best. You know, we talked about this last episode, how good he is at tackles and all that stuff. Does not miss tackles. Great. Robert Bill Jr., who is identified as his pure edge speed guy, Kirby Smart, when asked about him, said he does two things great. He sets the edge, gets after the quarterback. Like, that's it. That's all he does. So the first thing that was mentioned was setting the edge in the run game. Awesome. D winners, good gosh. That's his MO. Not a great coverage guy. Speed, 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 speed. And so and then Jalen Graham, instincts, uh, which I really enjoyed his tape. Uh, if you haven't watched the one break, we've done a breakdown on every single player in the rookie class, but the one that I would recommend watching the most Go watch Jalen Graham, who was the last pick, but he's old school linebacker. Uh, fun, 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 fun. Um, really, really enjoyed that. So, you know, just sticking with this this concept of you know where the 49ers were last year and how they are buying into that construct or trying to divert to a different path. Man, you look at this stuff and it's just like okay. They got, they're on the same page. There's, there's symmetry here between what the Niners were 
and what Steve Wilkes wants them to be. It's just refueling the beast. So the evolution is almost like a supersizing moment because they're just refeeding what worked last year. Turnovers, cool. Go get a bunch of ball hawks. We're great against the run. Guess what? Cool. Go get a bunch of guys that prioritize tackling and stopping the run. And so we're going to stop the run, but we're going to get our turnovers. You see what I'm saying? Like, that I'd like. That I like. Now, I did also think it was interesting. You know, I ranked – I didn't rank this. I got all this information off of Pro Football Reference. These are just regular season stats. So, again, first downs allowed. Okay, the 49ers allowed 77. Let's see what the rest of the NFC West did, right? Um, we go down. The Rams were next with 106, which is like middle of the pack. Um, you got to keep going down. Arizona was at 124, um, which is bottom kind of fourth of the league. And then Seattle, they were kind of bottom, you know, bottom sixth of the league with 130. Um, and on top of that, let's double the 49ers first downs alive. They allowed 77, so you double it. Uh, what would that be? 154? Is that right? Yeah, 140, 140, 77. There we go. I did it, 154. Almost the last place team was the Chicago Bears. They allowed 151. So the last place team, we they almost allowed twice as many first downs as the 49ers did, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, they got pretty close to kind of lapping some of these poor teams. And yeah, so Seattle was the worst in the, the league by far um, from the NFC West, the division is what I should have said. So there we go. Um, Mike and Kim, what's up, man? He says, been a Patreon member for a while now. Never had time to watch the videos, but with all the great betting advice, Patreon is easily paced. Man, thank you, Mike. Um Thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. We share all our bets over there. And we made money on the draft. Not as much as I would have liked, but we did come out positive. And again, my betting strategy, it's Tony Gwynn. I, I want singles, singles, singles. I don't like misses. But man, I bet what I know. And I know the 49ers pretty well. And we're on four consecutive years of coming out very positive. And so, man, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Um, I don't see you uh, comment on here too much. And like you said, people join Patreon for different reasons, and I appreciate all of them. Some of them uh, do it just for the Zoom hangouts and whatnot. Some of them do it just for the videos. Some of them do it just for the betting. And some do it just to support the channel, which this is how I feed my family. So if you want to support the show, and again, we have tiers all the way down from $1 a month um up to a lot more so you got to get a pick what it is you want to do and contribute and i'm thankful to all of those i put way more time into patreon than i do this channel because it's just grown we have 400 subscribers and that was what allowed me to start doing this full time and i want to constantly give back to them because that's that's the lifeblood uh that has allowed me to give this time um to this channel so uh, again, thank you, Mike. I really do appreciate those words. You are the freaking man. Um, and you're the reason why we get to do this, uh, this crazy talk. Um, all right, that was fun. Now let's go back to wide receivers in the offense. Um, and again, remember, when the schedule does come out, we'll have a live show for sure, breaking that down and having fun. Just remember, if you're going to a game this year, 49ersrushroadtrip.com. You got to remember that, baby. We're going to be throwing parties all over the country, uh, home games, way more home games, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be fun. So when the schedule comes out, I'll sit down with the wifey and the team and all that stuff, and we'll get some stuff booked out for you guys. But 
you know, I used to go to games by myself all the time because my wife worked weekends. So I would just fly to a random city and go to a game by myself. Now, my personality kind of worked just because I'm an a-hole. But um, if you want people to party with, we got you. We got you. You do not have to go to these games alone. You come party with us. Uh, that's what it's about, building the community. All right, let's go to the wide receiver position. And I thought this was really interesting because what happened was Mike Clay of ESPN, he does a great job. Um, I, I usually don't like ESPN a lot, but whatever. Uh, th this doesn't have to do with that. He went through and ranked every single wide receiver group. Okay, now just wide receiver. And so initially, I, I think everybody's reaction will be like, what? Um, the 49ers were ranked 13th in the NFL with their wide receivers but it's the entire wide receiver room. This does not include George Kittle, doesn't include CMC, doesn't include Kyle Juszczyk, doesn't do those things, just wide receivers. He put the 49ers 13th on his list. So let's just go through the depth chart of the 49ers. Uh, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray. Um, you know, just basically the first five of every single team if you wanted to put Ronnie Bell in for Danny Gray or whatever, that's cool. I don't think it moves the needle too much. I'm not quite sure how I feel about this. Now, let's focus on just the NFC West. The Cardinals were sixth. And initially, I was like, what? But then you start looking at their depth, it makes a little more sense. DeAndre Hopkins, I, I don't think that they should be sixth, by the way. DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown. Rondell Moore, that's a pretty good number three. Michael Wilson, Greg Dortch. Um, I, I I think that's way too high uh, for me, personally. I, I would take the Niners. Now, again, this is on just this year. Like, we can say, well, DeAndre Hopkins is old. Well, I, I don't think that this took any of that into effect. It's just guys that have done well. Um, but I do think the Niners and the Cardinals are somewhat close. And again, I take Debo and Ayuk over Hopkins and Brown, but I do think Hopkins is the best wide receiver of either team. Does that make sense? Like he's he's awesome. Debo's different because Debo just does crazy things. Now, the next team is the Rams. Um, are they the next team? Did I miss over? Who am I missing? Uh, sorry, I'm scrolling through this. It's just like, ah, who am I missing there? Uh, but oh, Seahawks, they're number two. Number two. With DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dwayne Eskridge, and Derek Young. That's a pretty formidable three. I don't have a problem with them being number three just because I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is pretty damn good. I know he's a rookie. I know he hasn't taken a snap yet. I, I, I understand all those arguments, but that dude can play. It's a little bit of a projection. Number one was the Bengals, Dolphins three, Eagles four, Cowboys five, uh, Cardinals six. So you can kind of see there. The last team in our division... Uh, is the Rams. Uh, they got Cooper Cup, who's incredible, but after that, yikes. Van Jefferson, Ben Skornick, Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it got bad quick. And so, I don't know. Part of me thinks, like, man, the Niners should probably be higher on that list. But it's kind of the same. Like, from 6 to, like, 15 are just the same. Now, right there, David says, Cowboys at five, no way. Here's the Cowboys order, and I don't know. I might disagree with you here, David. C.D. Lamb, 
Brandon Cooks is a number two is incredible. Michael Gallup as a three is awesome. I like Jalen Tolbert and then Turpin, who's kind of your jet sweep returner guy. I don't mind the Cowboys being that high, to be honest, just because, again, like I'm looking at their number three as Michael Gallup. I consider him a number two wide receiver. I think that's pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, like six to 15 is just kind of like uh, the Ravens are at 18, and I disagree with this. Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, Devin Duvernay, I would move them up. And so, you know, anytime you do rankings, and we're kind of in the rankings time of the NFL offseason, where, you know, 90-man rosters get solidified. And so now it's time to, like, see, ooh, who's got this? Who's got that? Who's got And I like those conversations. And I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Because the Niners have spent a lot of resources at the wide receiver position, and we'll just kind of have to see how it pans out. We are better than average, but I'm not quite sure we're ready to be top 10 um, there. Uh, so, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting. Real quick, another question that I got on Twitter that I thought was cool that I wanted to share because I learned. I like to learn. Um, Brian B. on Twitter, he said, um, John, do you know how many draft picks had top 30 visits with the 49ers? Um I didn't know that question. I didn't know the answer. But Steph Sanchez, who put together that awesome database, um, always shout out Steph Sanchez, one of the best humans, and she's just great. Um, so I tagged her in it. We had four top 30 visits that the Niners drafted. Daryl Luter Jr., Cameron Lawtu, Braden Willis, and Jair Brown. So we had four. Then Stats, what's up, Rob? Um, he came in the chat and said, I didn't know this either. People teaching me things. I love it. Um, the Niners have drafted since Shanahan and Lynch showed up at least two of every single draft have uh, been top 30 visits. So yeah, we got to remember that next year. I know that the draft, the draft visits are important, but the fact that man, two each year, they've been here for a minute now. Um, David says, yeah, Steph gives valuable $40 info. I agree completely. Um, all right, fun stuff. So now is the time Go to turn it over to Clayton. Um, I've gotten through all my craziness. It took me 47 minutes. Uh, let's get to some Q&A and some comments uh, that we want to jump into. And, yeah, let's have some fun here. Bro Montana says, Players with one more year until they're due for an extension like Greenlaw and Jennings, um, do you think some can be traded or replaced uh, with players we drafted? Well, Greenlaw's got more year. Um, he's got a whole nother year. So Jennings is done after this year. Gibson's going to probably retire after this year. But, yeah, there's guys who's, you know, Ken Law, he, he's done after this year. Greenlaw is the biggest value in the world currently. They extended him at the perfect time. So the fact that they allowed Aziz to go, Greenlaw's not going anywhere. And I feel like I've been saying this for a long freaking time. Um, I, I remember when everybody was mad at me because I, I had Greenlaw above Aziz. And not because I didn't like Aziz. I loved Aziz. I just thought Greenlaw brought something that Aziz didn't. Um, and the Niners extended him, and they kept him, and they let Aziz walk. Greenlaw's not going anywhere. Now, let's talk about trading somebody. Let's say you want to trade Juwan Jennings. Who steps into that role right now that you're comfortable with? Because, again, you have to balance. You got to win now. 49ers Super Bowl window's open. It's open. So if you trade Jennings or Greenlaw or whoever, but let's just stick with Jennings because I think that's more probable. He fit the mold of the, the question that you posed because his contract does expire. 
You trade him, do you put Ray Ray in there full-time? Do you put Ronnie Bell in there full-time? Shanahan doesn't trust rookies very often. I'm not sure he's ready for that. Maybe he is. Danny Gray, he hasn't even played in that slot role. Um, do you put Cameron Lawtu out there? That dude's about as raw as can be. Do you put Braden Willis out there? So, I'm not sure what the return would be. How have the 49ers acquired draft capital? Compensation picks. You allow Juwan Jennings to play out this year. You get all the value that he brings as a player. He walks and gets paid ex- elsewhere. You get a six-round draft pick compensation update. Would you prefer to get a fifth rounder but lose him for the second half of the season? Or would you prefer to have him and then get a six rounder? You see what I'm saying? Now, if a team will overpay, like we saw with Jeff Wilson, that was the ultimate snag ever, man. Um, yeah, that was it. Jeff Wilson trade was unbelievable. I, I still to this day think that's one of the best, like smoothest, like pull the fleece over, whatever uh, trades. Getting a fifth rounder for Jeff Wilson Jr. was gigantic because you would not have gotten a comp pick for him. All right. What did he sign for? Um, uh, this is something I don't know, and I think is interesting because I think it it addresses the formula. Oh, come on, spot track. You gotta you gotta work. Load. All right, I'm closing you. Let's go to the other one. Okay, Jeff Wilson. I'm not sure what his deal was. Sorry, I know this is live, but he signed. Here we go. What's his deal? His current contract. Bump, but a bump, bump, bump. Yeah, he signed a two year deal. We wouldn't have got paid. Yeah, we wouldn't have even got a contract. We wouldn't even got a comp pick for him. Instead, we got a fifth. Like, not even a fifth comp. We got their fifth round pick. That was awesome, man. Uh, which I think we turned into D. Winters. Or did we turn that one into... Oh, man, I need to go back and look at this. Cuss words. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of the fifth round picks that we used. I think we turned that into Robert Bill Jr. Or Daryl Luter Jr. Man, for, are you kidding me? That trade was awesome. So, uh, so I know I'm like on a tangent on my own, arguing myself here. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see what that looks like. Shot J says, you know, I'd rather have Ray Ray unless Ronnie Bell is the most bombastic training camp. I like bombastic. That's a good word. Um, I, I think it would be Ray Ray. But again, Ray Ray's been the Debo guy. He hasn't even been the slot guy. Hmm. Make CMC a slot receiver. I ain't mad at that. I ain't mad at that at all. I ain't mad at that at all. We'll see. We'll see. But we'll have to see because to trade a guy out, somebody's got to replace. And so to stick with Trainwreck's comment, if somebody in camp shows out, that's why you could do that trade. Who showed out in camp last year? Jordan Mason. I told you he was going to, though. I told you. that I'm not the biggest I told you guy, a little bit. I told you on Jordan Mason. Um, and so, man, like – Whenever Jordan Mason balled out and a team wanted Jeff Wilson, it was like, all right, cool. Jordan Mason stepped in. It was way better than Jeff Wilson has been in his entire career. Uh, such a limited reps, man. I wish you would have got more reps. But yeah, you've got to have somebody um, step up. You've got to. you got to. Um, yeah. Greenlaw going to be the new ward? Ooh. Ah. Uh. I think what you mean by that is like let him play out his deal. I hope he's around that long. I really, really do. Um, I, I really, really do. I, I'm the biggest Greenlaw fan on and off the field. I just, 
I love the way he plays. I, I love who he is. Oh, we got a we got a negative comment. I like this. Here we go. Ernest, I like I like this. He says, I love you, brother, but you're a CMC hater. Got to believe the guy. Um, have you got to see it from his way the last place? Why even rush come back from injury? If I don't understand any of this statement as far as like I love CMC. I had him ranked sixth on this roster. I, I think I'm missing what you're arguing um there. But I don't consider myself a CMC hater. I bought two CMC t-shirts. Does that count? Uh, is is that uh, there? Uh, I think we're going to bring Clayton up. Uh, we, we need some Clayton in our lives, the man behind the scenes. What we got, boss? What's up? What's up? Now, Ernest, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try and translate your comment just from what, from what I'm seeing here. I think what he's trying to say is, going back to his time with the Panthers, I think what he's trying to say is, I love you, brother, but you're a CMC hater. You've got to believe in the guy. And you have to see it from his perspective. If his team's already in last place, why rush back from those injuries if your back is still still hurting? That's that's what I'm picking up. Okay. Is yeah, that, I don't think yeah. I don't have a problem with that at all. And no. uh, thank you, Clayton, because I, I yeah. think that helps. I never said that he should have rushed back. I never thought that was an issue. He did have those two injury years. He played in three games in 2020. That's when he got hurt. And then in 2021, he played in seven games. Um, but yeah, like I wasn't trying to say he should have. That's not it at all. So I think I think we're missing something. And yeah, we got the we got the Clayton uh, siding, which is always My good. Guy. It's always good. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but that's okay. I like negative. I don't like negative comments, but I like dialogue. And so if you think my stance is one way or the other, yeah, man, call call it always. Um, I got thick thick skin. Uh, I, I ain't mad about that at all. Uh, <laughs> Shot Jay came through and he, he, he Clayton cleaned it up nicely. Um, I like that. I like that. Here we go. Shot Jay says, don't forget faithful and all. Please show your support. Like, subscribe, Patreon. It does help, man. And if you're one of those people that's on a tight budget, I completely understand. what I would just say liking the videos, hitting subscribe is a free way to help this channel grow. Um, cost nothing. Literally just click that thumbs, thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, free way to help everything kind of grow. So thank you for that shot, Jay. All right, Wad, here we go. I love this dude, man. Wad's man. Um, after the draft, it's apparent John and Kyle trust our current O-line. Do you? I'm still shocked we didn't pick up a red shirt lineman. Uh, yeah, Wad, that was probably last year. Everybody was upset they didn't take a safety. This year, everybody was upset they didn't take an O-lineman. Then draft one. There's a lot of guys in the room. The one thing that I would say is I would argue two things. I trust the amount of guys we have. I think we have a lot of dart throws at a lot of positions that if, like, Colton McKivitz. Okay, here we go. Let's do this. Let's do this. Everybody's saying Colton McKivitz is probably going to be the starter. I've been saying he's going to be a starter for a while. I knew we were going to let McGlinchey walk, but I thought we'd draft somebody. Colton McKivitz would be the guy. You move in the new right tackle on who you drafted, whatever. But, but, I think you have Colton McKivitz. You have Matt Pryor. That's huge. You have Jalen Moore. You have Nick Sakil. I think out of those four guys, you can find a formidable right tackle. Do you remember when McGlinchey got hurt two years ago and Tom Effin Compton came in and there was no drop-off? Do you remember that? Like, So part of me says, you know what? Like, We've got a guy. 
Is it ideal? No, it's not ideal. But you look at the right tackle position in the NFL, I would argue it is the weakest position in the NFL. Any position, right tackle is the worst. Absolutely worst. Now, we did get a bunch of redshirt guys last year, and we do have three guys. We got three old linemen, um, Corey Luciano, Il Manning, and Joey Fisher. Big Papa says Joey Fisher could be that guy. Again, I'm going to keep harping on this just because I don't know. I'm not sure where Joey Fisher plays. He played tackle at Shepard. His measurements suggest should probably move inside with the short arms and all that stuff. Niners do not mind short arm tackles. They don't mind it. So will he be a tackle? Will he be a guard? We'll see. But I have faith in one of these guys working out. Just one. We just need one. Colton McKivitz, Matt Pryor, uh, Jalen Moore, Nick Zakil. One of those guys. We just need one. So you got four swings. Ugh. The good news is you do have cap space. And so if things hit the fan and all four flame out, that's where you can make a trade and bring in a vet on a team that's you know not working out um, right there. As long as they stay healthy, continuity is key. There we go. But no, no matter who it is at the right side, continuity is not there. Colton McKivitz practiced there all last year, but he has not had snaps with these guys very much. Jason, he says, I feel like Hartgrave is going to definitely uh, put this defensive line in the backpack this year. Whew. I'm pretty freaking pumped, man. Again, um, I had Hargrave fourth on my most important 49er this year. Um, and I wasn't highest on him. Clayton had him third. Clayton, jump up here, man. Uh, tell me why you're not wrong. I just want to know your reason. Why did you have Hargrave third? You had Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Hargrave. Most mm -hmm. important for this year. What were your thoughts? When I was building this out last night, I, I thought, man, if I'm, if I'm sitting up in the 49ers front office and I'm trying to figure out where do I, where do I kind of rank these players? I said, Hey, we're building inside out, right? From the trenches. So I went, okay, let's go ahead and put our two most important linemen, one and two respectively. And you can flip them. I think we had some guys who flipped them and I don't think that's wrong. Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, they're both great players. I had Nick Bosa one, Trent Williams two. And then I went, okay, well, how do we take our line play to the next level? It's adding a guy like Javon Hargrave and letting him and Bosa work together. So I said, hey, you know what? We're going to go one, two, three on it. I think if I'm the 49ers, that's probably what I'm saying too is let's just have a dominant defensive line kind of like we did in 2019 when we went all the way to the Super Bowl. That defensive line was fantastic. I think the play has kind of – I wouldn't – I don't want to say it fell off a cliff or anything like that because it didn't, but it definitely took a step back, I think would be pretty accurate to say. So if we can get back to dominant defensive line play, it's going to clean everything up. Just like Dave said – as long as the pass rush opposite Bosa steps up, the lack of speed, whatever you want to say at the safety position or in the in the backfield, it's going to even itself out. I think again, kind of like we saw in 2019. So yeah, it's it's the way they build. You you let the front four wreak havoc. You don't blitz often, and you just you you play favorable matchups on the back end. 
And again, what's the title of this show? You know, I didn't mean it to, for it to happen this way, but how the 49ers need to evolve. You evolve back. You go back to what you were, right? Go back to that 2019 year. Hargrave is that. And it, this might be sacrilege, and that's okay. I'm going to sit here and say Javon Hargrave is a better defensive tackle currently than DeForest Buckner was then or is now. I love Buckner. He might be a better pass rusher, but a better defensive tackle all around. Hargrave fits to a T what the Niners want to do with stopping the run because he's above average run defender and then getting after the quarterback. He's about as good as they get. So I like that, Clayton. I like that. Are there any more questions or we we wrapping this show up? We got him. I love it. I love it. So uh, let me just say, uh, Clayton, thank you as always. Our executive producers, 49ers, George365, Kilted Niner, uh, Philip, David, and Timothy. Thank you, guys. Um, we got our show tomorrow, the John and Way Show, 10 o'clock a.m. Going to be fun, Pacific Standard Time. Um, a lot more fun content. And once I'm done with this and get everything posted and all this stuff on the audio platform, thank you to all the audio guys. Uh, and girls out there uh time to go break down some more film on patreon so i hope you'll join us over there but that's going to do it for us today and until next time god you guys are awesome stay strong faithful